This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Well, welcome back. Well, I got a name for my company, Merilizer. Unfortunately, I've no anything, nothing else. But that'd be a good name for a marijuana breathalyzer. Uh, anyway, there are those, though, who are working to develop what would essentially be a marijuana breathalyzer. We talked about this just the other day on the program. The Canadian Automobile Association, the Traffic Injury Research Foundation, putting out this, this report. They want to raise awareness. They want to make sure the governments are prepared for marijuana legalization. The concern that we're going to maybe have more stoned drivers on the road. I mean, we probably do right now anyway. Regardless of whether we're legalizing next year, this is probably a tool that the police need. But obviously, detecting THC, it's a different challenge than what we have right now with breathalyzers that detect uh, blood alcohol content. And obviously, even with the breathalyzer, getting an actual blood sample is still more accurate, but more difficult. We've got also an established level of impairment, our legal threshold for what we deem to be illegally impaired coming up with something for marijuana is more tricky so there are challenges obviously but there there's a clear need for something that police can use something akin to a breathalyzer and uh, i suppose those who come up with it will probably profit from it because there, there is an obvious need anyway joining us on the line uh, here today is uh, kyle mal he's the president and director of cannabis breathalyzer incorporated and that's exactly what they're working to develop cal thanks for joining us here welcome to the program thank you for having me on all right well you know i mean to, to some the idea of a marijuana breathalyzer just seemed undoable that it just you know wasn't realistic but uh, how much of a challenge has it been in, in developing this technology um it has been a challenge, but I think, you know, we've gone from an age where we've gone from desktop computers to handheld cell phones that do more than what the computer did five years ago. Yep. And I think the same is happening in medical or diagnostic technologies. And that's what we're working on is we're taking a mass spectrometer that used to be the size of a desk and we're miniaturizing it to be handheld and uh, make it a portable device that can detect uh, metabolites in people's breasts and identify THC um, in, in breath. All right. So where are things at? How, how close are you to, to finalizing this? Uh, we've been working on this for a little over two years. We're in partnership with the University of Florida. And Dr. Rick Yost is the lead researcher there. He's uh, kind of a guru in mass spectrometry. Uh, we've miniaturized it to be a handheld device right now and we're starting to do scientific field trials in the next few weeks um, and we'll be conducting those trials to gather evidence and to prove that it's um, 100% accurate that we don't have any false positives uh, so we hope to have the uh, scientific testing done within the next six months okay so yeah it was just this month you released basically your, your beta 2.0 yes and so how do you go about testing that? Well, what we're doing is we'll be um, doing breath testing with medical marijuana users in um, Vancouver. And at the same time, we'll be correlating the results of that with a blood test at the same time. So we can actually have um, concrete evidence of positives or uh, negatives. And um, you know, we'll have a minimum number of um, test subjects that we need to adhere to as per the IRB protocols. Uh, 
So that'll be a three to six month process. Okay. Well, you know, the, the question is that, you know, even if you're, you're measuring the presence of THC, that maybe you're not necessarily measuring impairment, that that can linger in the body for, for days even. Well, that's the nice part, and that's why we're doing a breathalyzer and uh, not a saliva test. Um, saliva test and urine test can have um, THC positives for sometimes days, depending on the fat content of a person. Uh, a breath test, um, uh, it's been scientifically proven that uh, THC, whether it's ingested or smoked, it gets eliminated from your lungs within a two-hour period. So after two hours, you will not test positive for THC on a breath test. Uh, So that speaks very well to somebody's level of impairment because the highest level of impairment is two hours after use. And so if you're doing the test and it's positive and it's at the side of the road once you pull a driver over, it's very pertinent to impairment at time of driving which is crucial for a THC test. Well, and what, what would be a legal limit, a reasonable legal limit? Well, see, here's, um, here's a myth that a lot of the, I guess, Canadian and U.S. population has, is that it's okay to drive with a little bit of marijuana or some other controlled substance in your system. Um, that, that's a myth that people believe. Uh, the current um, criminal code says uh, it's illegal to drive with any controlled substance in your system. The only issue is it does not get enforced because police don't have a tool to measure some of the controlled substances like they have with an alcohol breathalyzer. Um, so even though an officer may have grounds to believe that somebody's impaired on THC, uh, they've tried submitting charges based on an opinion that they formed. And the courts are reluctant to proceed with charges based just on an opinion. Uh, They need a scientific tool to provide evidence that, yes, the police officer pulled somebody over. They had grounds to pull them over because of the driving evidence. Uh, Then the observations were made and a breath test was administered similar to an alcohol one. And it was a positive test. And that would result in likelihood of conviction. Whereas currently, a police officer can pull somebody over and have the opinion that they're impaired on marijuana, but they don't have any way of gathering that evidence to go to court with uh, other than just their opinion. And unfortunately, in North America, uh, the courts don't hold police officers' opinions very highly alone. Well, we had a study last year from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration in the United States uh, and found that uh, drivers who use marijuana are at a significantly lower risk for a crash than than drivers who use alcohol. In fact, uh, drivers who use marijuana are even at a lower risk of of being in a crash than than drivers who might be using painkillers or sedatives. And in fact, that that report even said at the current time, specific drug concentration levels cannot be reliably equated with a specific degree of driver impairment. Well, there's different studies on and what uh, what the evidence is of um, accidents related to marijuana impairment. Um, we've seen many studies uh, that indicate that the level of marijuana impaired driving has gone up steadily over the last few years, whereas the amount of alcohol impaired driving has gone down and the number of serious um, accident injuries has gone up related to marijuana um, so currently people are kind of afraid to drink and drive because they believe they will be arrested and charged and society kind of frowns on that. Whereas a lot of people have this myth that it's okay that 
you don't you know your driving isn't impaired when you're high on marijuana but it has been scientifically proven that it is impaired um, we have an advisor on our team dr marilyn Hustis, who's done years of studies with the national institute of drug abuse in the u.s and they've published studies driving um studies as well that indicate that uh, driving is impacted uh, you know your ability to focus on the driving and react to situations is severely affected well sure but i mean you know wouldn't we say the same about uh someone who's, who's on valium or someone who's on t3s but th- th- again the same thing you're not supposed to be driving if you're on valium and uh, the only reason that somebody isn't um I guess, um, charged or convicted in the courts is because there isn't a tool to test somebody for Valium on the side of the road unless you have some sort of a blood test. Right. Um, so uh, with the prevalence of uh, marijuana increasing, I mean, society has come around to where I think marijuana is becoming a, uh, an accepted recreational drug, and the use of marijuana is very abundant in our society today. And that's kind of reflected with several states in the U.S. voting to legalize it for recreational use last week, and I think Canada is moving in the same way. Yeah, probably in the spring. Okay, so circling back to the point you were making, are you suggesting then that we wouldn't have a, a legal limit per se, that, that any detectable presence uh, of THC would, would constitute impaired driving? I believe that's where we need to start off until we can adapt our technology where at the roadside you can determine a level of um, concentration of, uh, of a controlled substance. Um, our, our first device would be a yes or no device, which would say yes, somebody used marijuana within the two preceding hours or no. And uh, our goal is that the second renditions would be able to quantify how much THC there is. Being charged with impaired driving is a very serious crime. Doesn't it seem as though we're casting a net? We're going to be keep giving people criminal records and driving bans who may not be impaired at all? I think there's a misconception that people get convicted just based on the result of a breath test. Uh, there's a lot that has to go into a criminal charge that that ends up with conclusion of being a breath test, but the evidence gathered that leads up to a breath test is what largely supports the impairment charge. The breath test is a final evidentiary piece that kind of seals it but you know a police officer can't just pull somebody over who's driving perfectly fine and ask them to blow into a device and if they fail charge them with it there has to be evidence that there was impairment the driving evidence wasn't consistent their behavior in interacting with the police officer wasn't consistent Right. Well, no, I mean, police can pull somebody over and there's been a push to change the law so that police can do random breathalyzers uh, I believe that not i mean we're nowhere near that like without uh, reasonable um, grounds to believe that somebody's committing an offense i don't believe a police officer is going to pull you over or if he does that it will stand up in court he has to articulate why he pulled you over um and i don't think we're going to a society where police are going to be given absolute powers to just pull anybody over and ask them for a breath sample well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've argued against it, but I mean, Mad Canada supports it. There have been private members' bills uh, to to that end. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's going to happen or not, but it doesn't seem outside the, the, the realm of possibility. Yeah, and I don't believe the courts would hold up a conviction based on an officer saying, well, I just decided to pull 10 people over that Maybe. day, and out of the 10, six of them failed. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I don't think the courts would hold that up for a very long time before the charter rights became an issue. I suppose so. So as it pertains to this device, uh, let's say, you know, next year Canada legalizes marijuana police forces in Canada to start using this device. Will, Will those readings hold up in court? The yes or no readings? Right. Or, you know, the results of what your cannabis breathalyzer would show. Is that something that, that police officers can then pass to prosecutors? They can take to court and they can present it to a judge and say, here's what we're basing this this charge on. Yes. For us to get a court certified tool, we have to go through regulatory processes and have the tool certified as a court approved device. And in Canada, that has to be submitted through the Minister of Justice. In the U.S., it's the National Highway Traffic People. And um, so it does need to be certified as a court-approved device, just a, a lot like the alcohol uh, breathalyzers that currently are outstanding. They go rigorous through rigorous testing and are approved before a police officer can use them on the road. All right. Well, uh, we'll leave it there, uh, Cal. People can uh, read more at CannabisTechnologies.com. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Take care. That's uh, Carl Malhi, who is the president of Cannabis Breathalyzer Incorporated. Uh, He is himself a former RCMP, uh, retired member of the RCMP, as a matter of fact. Uh, Cannabis, that's with an X, CannabisTechnologies.com. Quick break here. We're going to come back with some time for your calls, 403-974-8255. We're back after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.